Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hi, Mark Homer here. Welcome to Mark My Words. In this podcast, I'm going to discuss how to help children into the world of business to get themselves into the property market and how to help them become happier, wealthier and better prepared for tomorrow's world. A conversation which I had about a week ago with Gemma, my fiance, was around how to help her sister onto the property ladder. And of course, as I'm in the property investment world and didn't come from a family with a a big property investing or developing background and pretty much had to learn it myself and build the portfolio from scratch, she thought I might have some good ideas about how to get started. Now, of course, when I started, it was probably 2003 and the market was quite different. Lending was quite different. In some ways, it was better. In some ways, it was more difficult. It's certainly a more mature market now. Buy-to-let mortgages have been around a lot longer. There are probably a lot more of them, but perhaps some of the rules are more stringent. That doesn't mean to say you can't get started and it doesn't still work in, in much the same way. The same basic rules apply. You need to get income in order to, to cover a mortgage. The bigger mortgage you have, as long as you can service the income, the higher likely return on capital your likely to receive. Remember that term return on capital from the previous podcast. That's something I hold very dear to my heart. How much cash goes in versus what the percentage income return is and the percentage capital growth that you get based on how much money is is left in the deal or left in the property. I think that's very, very important. Return on capital invested. So how do young people get on the property ladder in today's world? Well, House prices are clearly higher than they've ever been. House prices are also a higher multiple of people's incomes than they've been in many, many years. Although the fact that interest rates are so low means that the affordability, i.e. the monthly payments, the average incomes, is actually very, very good. So there's a there's, there's a bit of a, a change there versus the past in that, yes, the deposits may be bigger, Yes, the the affordability requirement in terms of the the multiple of house price to earnings is difficult and probably the highest it's been in a long time. And of course, the the banks are lending on a lower multiple because of Bank of England stress tests and Bank of England rules since the credit crunch. But the actual mortgage payment versus the average income in the UK is actually better than it's been in a long time. So there are a couple of hurdles to get over there. But Buying is certainly a better place to be long term than renting. I think we all know that. There's an innate British sense that that owning is is the way forward financially. And of course, you get other benefits like security of tenure, which means you, you get to stay in the property for as long as you want, really, as long as you carry on paying the mortgage. Whereas with a, a rental property, a, a landlord can ask for it back with one or two months notice. The other big benefit when you own is is clearly that you're able to do work on the property and any work that you do is likely, if it's done in the right way, to add value to the property, which is another major benefit of owning. 
Another huge benefit of owning, and this is often underplayed, and it's one of the last big tax breaks that are available today, is the fact there's no capital gains tax on your own home. I think that's a massive, massive benefit. You're paying capital gains tax rates of 28% often on, on most other assets, not on your own home. It's a major investable asset. I think it's one of the biggest reasons why young people should get on the ladder as early as possible. Clearly, the earlier they get on the market, the bigger benefit they get from those year-on-year returns. If house prices go up 5 five to 10% a year, well, if, if they get on the market in their early 20s versus their early 30s, they've probably got a 60, 80, maybe 100% head start in terms of capital growth over over the person who who got on later on in life. So there's some big benefits and some big reasons why it's good to get your kids or or if you're in your early 20s or or late teens why it's good for you to get on the property market really early and get started because not only do you get that capital growth and probably gives you a warm feeling but it helps you trade up in the future without incurring those those massive mortgage costs. Okay, so let's get down to the nitty gritty. What are the main ways in which you can get on the the property ladder, get ahead and and bypass some of those controls and some of those barriers, which lots of people like to assume are in the way. Lots of newspapers will tell us these things mean that we're not able to buy our properties when they're, they're painting their doom and gloom stories. But the reality is for the contrarian, and for those who are willing to put a bit more work in and, and get around some of the issues, there are ways of, of buying into the market and, and making it work from a younger age. Okay, so the, the first place that you really want to start is the mortgage lending. Clearly, mortgage lending is absolutely key for a young person to get on the property ladder. Now, when I started investing in property and when I bought my first home, I just walked down the high street and started going into the banks and asking them what kind of mortgage I I could get. And and I got the answer no quite a lot and got told why things wouldn't work. And and it it all seemed quite difficult until a friend introduced me to a mortgage broker. Now, I'm a big fan of mortgage brokers in the the residential and in the buy-to-let space because my experience of good mortgage brokers is that they have access to many, many different products in the market. And this is going to be especially useful for somebody trying to do something a bit out of the ordinary, like we're talking about here, getting a young person onto the property market. Now, I think if you get a good mortgage broker who really understands the residential market, they're going to be able to give you some initial ideas as to which major lenders are going to be a bit more flexible, certainly in terms of your salary multiples. And another strategy, which I'm going to come on to um, shortly. So the first place you need to start is by looking at how many times your income you're going to be able to borrow from a lender in the form of a mortgage. And a typical multiple would be around four times. That's that's very typical of the marketplace. So let's say you were earning £20,000 a year you may be able to borrow from a mortgage lender 80000 Now, that's probably not going to be enough for what you want in lots of areas of the country. It might get you, well, it would get you a two-bed flat in Peterborough, so it may get you started in our area. I mean, certainly if you're within the M25, 
you probably get nearly nothing. Maybe you'd find a studio flat somewhere, but, you know, there'd be very, very little available. So you're probably going to be looking at other lenders that offer higher multiples. And in conjunction with that, you're going to need to look at perhaps getting some income allowed from somewhere else or bringing a guarantor in or maybe going to a lender that accepts a higher multiple. I know that Barclays and their premier service have a maximum multiple of five and a half times. So if you joined Barclays Premier, and I'm a member of that service, it's, it's like their, their premier banking service, I think it's £17 a month and you get a, a few benefits on top. If you were earning £20,000 and they offered you a multiple of 5.5, now remember, I'm, this is quite simplistic. There are some other caveats and things that they look at with your income and your um, your general circumstances to work out whether you're eligible. But in, in simple terms, that might take you up to a, a loan size of 110000 So that's becoming a little bit more interesting and certainly could be applied to properties in many more parts of the country. So the other area to look at is perhaps your parents' income. Some mortgage lenders will accept a portion of your parents' income and allow that to be used when considering whether you can afford a mortgage or not. Clearly, not everybody's got parents that are willing to stand as a guarantor or, you know, have got a very big income. But if they have some income which they could use to guarantee or or use towards your, your mortgage, it may be the difference between getting that £150,000 house and, you know, only being able to borrow 100000 and the deal not happening. So that can tip the balance as well. And that's certainly something else to put on the list when you go around and see these mortgage brokers. Now, when looking for a mortgage broker, it's important to, to get the right type of mortgage broker. And I think it's important to go to a number of mortgage brokers rather than just one. When I started, the best mortgage brokers which I found came through referrals from other property investors. I certainly found that the best mortgage brokers were ones that were working for friends of mine and who were buying multiple investment properties. Um, but they were also doing residential mortgages as well because most of them are whole-of-market brokers. So if you go to a, a property networking event or maybe you start reading the property magazines or local to your area, there are going to be some high-street mortgage broker-type operations. They're usually independent, usually relatively small. But if you go around two or three of those and introduce these themes as, as possibilities, they should, if they're a good broker, be able to start pulling out some lenders that offer some of these some of these products. If they don't offer the products and the lenders that I'm going to mention specifically during this podcast, you could always contact the lender directly and say to them, look, can I take a mortgage directly from you? Or if not, can you recommend a broker that I could do the deal through as well? So the next part of this podcast that I I really want to focus on is how you're going to generate that extra income so that you can buy a bigger property and afford effectively a bigger mortgage. Well, a strategy that I've seen work many times and was introduced to me by a friend's father when we were in our late teens and something that my friend did was to buy a house and his had three bedrooms and and two reception rooms to live in one of the rooms and then to rent out one or more of the other rooms in the house to take an income to pay the mortgage. 
Now, at the time, this was a, a new concept. I didn't really understand it. And uh, I mentioned it to my mum. And, of course, they said, oh, well, you know, he's taken on a mortgage and there's, there's risks there. And, you know, there might be problems with this. And what happens if the tenants don't pay? And, and you know, various things like that came up. But over time, I've seen the major, major benefits of, of, of what he managed to do. Now, of course, back in those days, things were probably a little bit more flexible. But he got a residential mortgage. He rented out four of the other bedrooms. I think the residential mortgage at the time was costing him about £500 a month. And he rented each one of those rooms out for 250 a month, including bills. So let's say he was taking in about 1000 a month. Back then, I think the bills were, were about £200 a month, 250 a month. So he was ending up with £750 a month in which to pay the mortgage. So he was paying the mortgage off. He was making a nice little profit for himself. Um, it was a repayment mortgage, so the, the mortgage was actually reducing. The capital value of the property was clearly increasing, but somebody else was, was paying it. He was getting a free room in the house, which for me was like, well, he's managed to move out of his parents' house. He's got his, his own space, a little garden and, uh, and storage space and, you know, somewhere to take his girlfriend. He was living with other people. Now, for some people, that that would be a, a disadvantage, and and certainly as you you know you go on in life and you have a family yourself, that probably wouldn't be preferable. But as a younger person living with others in almost like a, a HMO type environment, but but one you own yourself, is actually quite a nice place to be for many people because, of course, as soon as the tenants come along. They look at the rooms and they made an app and they make an application to, to rent one of the rooms. He could effectively decide who his potential housemates were going to be, whether he liked them and, and whether he thought he could be their friend. And, and actually, as, as a young person, he was just looking to have more friends and have a better social life in his house and, and to make some money along the way and to live free. So, you know, for me, it just ticks so many boxes. And, and with time, I saw the, the major benefits which he gleaned from that. It got him on the property market, clearly had a little bit of help from his dad. I think his dad put 10% of the property price down. I think at the time, maybe it, it was about £10,000. Stamp duty at that time was relatively low. Clearly, he got some help because he got a, a first-time buyer mortgage at, at the time as well. But the main benefit of the whole investment was actually invisible. It was something that I hadn't even noticed at the time. And as years went by, I, I really started to see it. It was that he had learned how to manage tenants. He'd learned how to go through the application process. He'd learned how to work out who the good ones were and who the, the bad ones were. He'd learned how to make sure the rent came in on a monthly basis and how to, to manage the property, do the gas safety checks, do all the, the maintenance and all that sort of stuff in those early years. That really got him going in the, in the property investment world at, at a relatively young age. Clearly, his equity grew over time, no tax on that equity. So he was able to move up to, I think it was a £300,000 house when we were in our early 20s. It's something that's that's worth over a million pounds now. And he did the same thing again. He, he had five, four or five lodges in, really, really nice, big house, free room, some nice money left over every month for him to spend on what he wanted. And he, he was making really, really good money. Clearly, as time went on, he refined his systems. So his, his tenant selection became better and his, his ways of controlling them and living with tenants can be... Uh, 
challenging because obviously they, they've always got you on call for any issues they've got. So he, he found ways to control the communications between them and, and to make sure the investment was really working for him in the way that he'd envisaged it. So it really got him started in the world of, of business. And I think it helped him with his, his first job and his first business enterprise and and gave him some early lessons in terms of cash flow, in terms of how to, to manage your money, capital, how to obtain finance, remortgages, all that, all that sort of basic stuff, which is quite important when young people go into the world of business. Now, the world has moved on quite a lot, and specifically mortgage lending has moved on a hell of a lot, along with house prices and rents as well. So, so I know a lot of you will be saying, oh, well, I bet that worked in the late 90s, Mark, when you were younger. But, you know, the world's different now. Mortgage lenders probably won't allow that and you'll, you'll probably have other, other issues. Well, it is true to say that lots of mortgage lenders would have an issue with the scenario that I, I painted earlier on. But there are also some that wouldn't. There are some specific products around that will actually allow you to rent one or more rooms out in your property. And with some of them, and this is critical, this is a big benefit, some of them will actually allow you to take account of part of the rental income from the tenants when calculating the affordability in order for you to obtain the mortgage. So that's a pretty big benefit. And one of those lenders is Bath Building Society. They offer a, a rent-a-room mortgage, and, and that's something you want to specifically talk to your mortgage broker about when you go to try and source your mortgages for your, for your new live-in investment HMO type operation. With the Bath Building Society, you may be able to get about half of the rent from a lodger to be allowed as part of the affordability calculation towards the mortgage. And if they're working out the mortgage based on around four and a half times your current salary, that can be quite a big boost to enable you to obtain a bigger mortgage to uh, allow you to get that house with with enough room so that you can, you know, you can start to rent them out. Nationwide Building Society is another lender. They will allow you to rent rooms out in the property as long as you live there. Clearly, it's a good idea to to ring the lender up and and just check with them that they're happy for you to to rent the rooms out before you get on and do it. And another lender which will allow you to rent at least one room out is the Market Harbour Building Society. So these are relatively small building societies, not big names that you've necessarily heard of, although Nationwide will, will probably let you do it on a case-by-case basis. But they are there. They're products that are available. And what I found is with, with mortgages and most financial products, and, you know, insurance, I used to drive you know, high-powered cars when I was really young, when my friends couldn't get insured, I'd, I'd go to 40 insurance companies and eventually one would say yes, at, at, you know, a low enough premium and I was able to get a fast car when no one else could. And the same thing applies with mortgage lenders. If you go to enough of them and you ask enough questions, eventually one of them will likely let you do what it is you want to do. And if you've got that burning desire for, for, for you or for your child to get them onto the property ladder... I think that is the 
the most fruitful place to start. That's really where you want to put a lot of energy. Get around all those lenders. See if they'll let you, your child or see if they'll let you rent rooms out. See if they'll allow some of that rental income to, to contribute to the affordability for the mortgage. And certainly, you know, once it's up and running, it'll probably, if you rent enough rooms out, it'll probably enable you to live in a property for free and to make a, a little bit on top, which is clearly great. So what kind of property are you going to be looking for to, to live in and, and rent rooms out in? Well, I think a house is usually going to be better because you're going to have more rooms available. Clearly, flats are smaller. It can be more difficult to cover the bills and, and everything if you're just renting one room out or two rooms out. Generally, HMOs, standalone HMOs work best with at least four or five rooms let. So if you found a, a three-bedroom house and, and perhaps you lived in one of the rooms and then you, you rented out two of the other bedrooms along with, let's say, the lounge or the lounge and the the diner, then you're probably up to three to four rooms worth of rental income. And in today's market, well, if you're in the Midlands, you're probably going to be getting at least 350 per room per month, which is another £1,400 in, in rental income that can come in on a monthly basis. And, you know, £150,000 property, you'd, you'd easily get a mortgage on that for somewhere in the 600. So you can see there's a lot of money left over, you know, as profit. Now, clearly you're going to have to pay tax on some of that money, but there is another little benefit which the government introduced recently, which is the rent-a-room scheme. And with that scheme, you're able to rent one of the rooms out in your, your property and take rental income up to the value of £7,500 per annum. So that's a, a big benefit. You're able to take £7,500 in, in rental income before you need to pay any tax. So if you're renting out three or four of the rooms, you're obviously going to go over that figure, but you're going to have costs that can can come off and you, you, may, you may not end up with a, a very big tax bill. But clearly, if you've got tax to pay, you're making profit anyway. The first £7,500 is, is free. So you're, you're probably going to be able to cover your own mortgage and, and some of the bills with the allowance before paying tax anyway. So that's a, another nice little sweetener to, to make the thing work better for you. I'd always recommend if you're if you're looking for a property, try and get a, a bigger one. Maybe you, you wouldn't be living in the best area in town. Maybe you'd be living in a, a lower end area. Maybe it's an ex-council property. I mean, it may be easier to rent rooms out if, if you're closer to town, but maybe a, a scruffier area might be better somewhere with a, a little bit of planned regeneration. But certainly you want to be looking for uh, a property which which is bigger but for less money so it's probably not going to be in the best area but what it will do is enable a higher yield or a higher rent to be achieved as a percentage of the value of the property and clearly that's a, a better place to be for your income and it's probably going to give you the the best opportunity for long-term capital growth I'd always recommend buying a property that needs some work doing on it. You'll end up getting it cheaper. A light refurb is another good place for somebody starting out to learn. You know, they get to, to learn how to deal with the tradesman, how to get the carpet for the right price, get, get the paint at the right money, how to put a new kitchen in, where to find it. Use LNPG magnet to find your kitchens if you, if you join lmpg landlords association you get cheaper boilers cheaper radiators kitchens i i i still buy quite a lot from them or through their service 
And this is giving your child or yourself a great grounding in property investment and how to, to bring a property up to the right standard and to get it lettable. And you may decide that you or your child actually does some of the work yourself. Clearly, you'll need trades in for the gas and the electric and probably to fit the kitchen and, 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 and maybe the carpets. But maybe you could do some painting, reduce the cost. And um, although in the latter years of your, your property investing career uh, or in your business career, you're going to get other people to do all that. It is good to understand how those jobs are done, how long they take and whether someone's doing something in the right way and, and whether they're telling you the truth in terms of how long something should take or how much something should cost or, you know, how a job should be done. You know, it's going to be much easier for you to to analyse how a job is going in the future if you've done it yourself at some point in the past. Well, I hope you found that useful and you've got a better idea how to get on the property market earlier or how to help your, your child get on the property ladder. I think it's the best thing that you can do for them in so many ways and from so many angles. This has been Mark Homer for Mark My Words. If you want to learn more about me or what I do, have a look on www.progressiveproperty.co.uk or on my Facebook page, which is Mark Homer.